We're going to be talking about access to God's promises. And uh, promises are good things, aren't they? They're even better when those promises are kept. How many are so glad that our God keeps his promises? He's a promise keeper. So what, what good news for us is we look to this, this topic of promises. And when we recognize that if we have made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of our lives, there are promises that we have access to because we're his children. It's interesting. There's a verse in scripture where uh, a woman comes up to Jesus you know, considered a, a foreigner by the Jews at the time. And, and Jesus turns to her. She's looking for healing for a loved one. And, and Jesus says, healing is the children's bread. In other words, this is a promise that belongs to God's children. And, and, and she was outside of that position. Interesting enough, by the way, because of her faith, the Lord still healed her. Right? So faith moves God's hand. And as we look at the promises of God, we're going to see these things belong to us, but they don't just work out in our lives automatically. They are worked out as we grab them by faith. Can you say amen? Uh, so, but as we understand this, when we say, right, healing is the children's bread, these are promises that belong to God's children. And we want to talk, I want to talk a little bit about some of these promises, but then just look at some principles that will do us well to understand as we navigate walking with the Lord so that we can be people that see his promises realized in our lives. We want God to get the glory. We want God to be lifted up for who he is, almighty, all powerful, uh, faithful, the God who keeps his promises. Uh, we want to see him lifted up in our lives that way. And there's some things we need to understand uh, in order to grab a hold of and walk out these promises. So uh, I'm going to be looking in the New Living Translation today. For me personally, I kind of, <clears throat> my regular is the New International Version. Uh, but sometimes, you know, when you hear a verse over and over again in the same translation, you know, you can just, you start to hear it and then something in you says, oh, I recognize that. And then it can become, you know, the Charlie Brown teacher, you know, wah, 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 wah. You know, so sometimes just hearing it in a different translation is just enough where, you know, it kind of pops, you know, where we, we hear it in a fresh way. Okay, Lord. Yeah, yeah, that, that landed, I got it. Or a good reminder, Lord. So uh, 2 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4. Again, in the New Living, it says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. Now, I didn't go through and I didn't count these up by hand. One, two, three. But according to our scholars that have done that detail work, it's over 3,000 promises in the Word of God. Here's a couple of examples. In the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 4, verse 29, says, But from there you will search again for the Lord your God. And if you search for him with all of your heart and soul, here's the promise, you will find him. First Chronicles 16.34, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Here's his promise. His faithful love endures forever. Second Chronicles 7.14, again, in light of the, the season that we're in and, and the prayer times that we're having. <clears throat> then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face 
and turn from their wicked ways. I will, here's the promise, hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. In the New Testament, Romans 8, 28, and we know that God causes everything to work, for, to work together for good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That is, work together for the good. Right? We were just singing about that, weren't we? You know, that, that what the enemy means for evil, God turns it and he works it for good. What a great promise that this, that is for us. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father. Hey, could we just pause there? I'm so glad he's my Father, but you know what? I need him to be my merciful Father. Anybody else in the same boat? I need mercy. I need grace. You know, I need God to have some long suffering. Uh, you know, I, I'm so grateful that he's that kind of God. I'm so grateful he doesn't give up on me, right? He's just this faithful, awesome God, merciful Father, and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we are able to give them, uh, to give them the same comfort God has given us. This next verse is my favorite in the New Testament. I don't know if you have a favorite verse. I mean, it's all awesome. It's all favorite, but this is maybe favorite of the favorite. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. And I know early on as, as a new Christian, uh, I tell you, there's, there, you know, I mean, God's still working on me, but man, there was a lot that needed to be done uh, on the early side. And I would see myself in the mirror and I, and I would hear myself, you know, I'd see my behavior and I'd say, oh, man, th this isn't looking like a new creation, but I would go back to this verse and I would say, but Lord, thank you. The new life has already begun. I don't see it. I don't see it the way I need to see it, but I know you're doing it. So my life, my thoughts, my actions, uh, it needs to catch up with you. But I thank you by faith that that's happening because this is your promise. You made me brand new on the inside, and that's working its way out. And I can't tell you how many times I had said, okay, Lord, I thank you. I'm not moved by this. Lord, I thank you that you have made me a new creation. Lord, I thank you that this is passing away, and I am becoming something new in you. Philippians 1.6, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So how about it, right? God isn't saying, okay, now if you're going to be a Christian, you know, you have to perform and, and you have to figure out how to do all this stuff. But instead it's, Lord, I just have to believe you. I have to cooperate with you. It's you that's doing the work in me. It's not me trying to figure out how to make myself better. I can't do that, right? But God does the work in me. And it says here that he's going to bring it to completion. It's, on, it's in his hands, and he's going to get that good work done. Philippians 4.19, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. How about a couple of promises that Jesus himself said? Uh, John 4.14, 14. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. In Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. These are all great promises. There's so many that are in the word. Like I said, over 3,000. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this about God's promises. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled. Think about that. Have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. 
And through Christ, our amen, which by the way means yes or so be it, ascends to God for his glory. All of God's promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So just a little bit of a look here at some of these things that God says, these things belong to us and and we've established so we walk it out by faith. We grab these things by faith. But I want to look at a couple of things, specifically four, regarding God's promises that will help us as as we grow as disciples of Christ. So number one, some promises are unconditional and others are conditional. Right, so we need to understand which is which, and are we walking in line with these conditions? I remember a pastor sharing a testimony that he was in a place of real lack. And uh, he was standing on that verse in the Old Testament that said, If you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. And he wasn't eating the good of the land, man. He was scraping to get by, and he was crying out, and he's saying, but Lord, I'm doing, you know, I'm obedient. I'm obeying everything you've called me to obey. And he was, he was crying out of, of his testimony. He said he was kind of carrying on. You know, Lord, where's your provision? Where's the breakthrough? Come on, I'm doing everything. And you want to know, the Holy Spirit quickened to his heart and, and said this to him, you don't qualify for that scripture. And he said, but Lord, I'm being obedient. But Lord, I'm being obedient. He said, you don't qualify for that scripture. And all of a sudden he recognized that scripture didn't say be obedient. It said be willing and obedient and you'll eat the good of the land. And guess what he said? When I realized that, I got willing real quick. Right? Sometimes we're standing on a promise and we think, oh, wait a minute. What? No, I'm, I'm not lined up with, with, there's a condition to this promise and, and I'm not walking in alignment with it. And so he realized that, yes, he was obeying, but he was dragging his feet every step of the way of, of walking with the Lord. And that's not the manner that he wants us to go, to go with him. Right? He doesn't want us to go kicking and screaming on this journey with the Lord. He wants it to be, Lord, I'm all yours. Right? I'm willing. Lord, have your way in my life. So uh, let's look at some you know, just examples of conditional promise, right? Uh, Ephesians 6, 2 to 3. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. Interesting, it specifically spells out for us this is a commandment with a promise. You know, with, with, there, there's a condition to it. Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep... In perfect peace, all who, now we'll talk about all who what in just a second, but but we realize the promise is for peace, not just peace, but perfect peace. You know, and and Bible, the word perfect is uh, like complete, like entirety is what that word perfect means. So how about having just an entirety of peace, complete, total peace is what God says is a promise that belongs to his kids. But he says, if you're going to walk this promise out, it's going to be for all those who trust in the Lord, right? All who trust in you and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So, hey, if we're not trusting Right? How many know there's a thing between sort of mentally assenting, oh, I trust God, and another thing to really trust? If you don't know the difference between the two, do one of those trust fall games with people, right? Where they say, I'm standing behind you, and they got their arms out, and they say, and I'm going to catch you. 
You know, somebody who just stands up, turns around with their back. And as a matter of fact, that would have been a cool illustration to have one of you come up from the crowd and do a trust fall here. Oh man, it took till second third service for me to think of that. Well, maybe we'll do that in third service, right? But I know for me, I, I've, I've been in those, you know, team building exercises and you watch a person get up, they just stand up, close their eyes and they tip over backward and they, they just trust, you know? Other people, it's like one eye open, you know, looking, looking, looking as they go back and when they just about hit the person, then, oh yeah, I trust right? So God is saying, hey, perfect peace. You got to trust me. And then notice what he says here too. And your thoughts, they have to be fixed on him. So there's plenty to fix our thoughts on. There's plenty that's scrambling in our lives to get us to fix our thoughts on those things. But if our thoughts are fixed on the evil that's going on, the brokenness that's going on, the news, the media, the pain, the, all of the what ifs, all of the fears, if we focus on that, peace is not coming. But we'll have a perfect, complete peace if we trust him and our thoughts are fixed on him. So see, see what we're talking about? It's, it's no less God's promise, but if we don't cooperate with the promise. Now, some are just unconditional and, and it's just, okay, we got it. I'm his kid. I just got to believe it. Other times they're saying, God, God is saying, you got to be in alignment with this thing. Psalm 37 verse 4, take delight in the Lord and he'll give you your heart's desires. So again, don't people live their entire lives searching for their heart's desires? And here God says, secret, I'll give them all to you. But something you got to do first. You have to delight in me, God says. You know, I, I learned this one when I was beginning to discern calling for vocational ministry, you know, to serve God full-time as a pastor. And, and there's something else that I wanted to do, so much so that I had uh, regularly explained to God why he needed a good Christian in that particular vocation and, and all, all of the good things that would happen because of that. But then I began to feel a little bit of a wrestling, but I, this was a desire of my heart. I mean, this is my life. This was the dream of my life, what I wanted to do with my life. But then as I would grow, and worship God and pray and, and, and my relationship would build. I'd feel the tug in this direction and I would go back and forth and back and forth until I remember one day where the Lord said, so pick which path are you choosing? And you want to know, it was so clear. It was so clear that God was speaking that to me that I thought, Lord, since you put it that way, how many know there, have you ever, have you ever like asked your parents something and they're like tolerating it, tolerating it, tolerating it and then all of a sudden they say one thing, they don't have to yell Right, but they just say one thing where you know, okay, we're at a fork in the road here, you know? You know, I'll bug my mom, I said no. Bug my mom, I said no. Bug my mom, I said no. And then I bug her one more time as a kid and she turned around and say, I said no. <laughs> and I'm realizing that was the last no. You know, here, this was, I was tug of war with God and that, that was the, the, the tone just as God was dealing with me. So which path are you, which path are you choosing? And, and, and I, I sensed it, I discerned it. And I said, Lord, I'm throwing in the towel. I'm doing it your way. Lord, I'm gonna go your direction. I'm gonna delight in you. And you wanna know what he did? So he gave me the desires of my heart, but he morphed and he changed the desires of my heart. A lot of people struggle with this. Man, I don't want to make Jesus Lord because I'm going to have to give up all this stuff. What we're saying is I don't want to make Jesus Lord because he might have me do things that I'm going to be miserable doing. Well, you want to know what? If we live a religious service and obligation to God that never connects our heart, it might be pretty dreary. 
But if it starts with, God, I give my heart to you because you love me and you know me better than anybody else. And I know what you have for me. You shaped me. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And ultimately, what you say is my best path, I trust that's going to be the most fulfilling for my life. And it gives you the desires of your heart. And so now here it is, I don't know, 20-something years later, man, I wouldn't have traded this for anything. Always easy? No way. Hard? More hard than not. Would I trade it for anything of walking out his plan, of what he shaped me to do? Never in a million years. Right? Amen. Wow. I'll give you the desires of your heart if you delight in him. I had to drop the other stuff and make him my delight and just couldn't hold on to him and everything else. I let go. And then it was all of a sudden, wow, Lord, oh, how fulfilling this is. Wow. Praise God. All right, let's move on. A second thing we need to understand about the promises is, all right, sorry, but we got to hit this one. Sometimes we have to wait for the promises. Now, in first service, people didn't like get on as quick. There's a little pause here. So I just want to ask, how many here today, even if you're watching at home, living room, wherever you are, raise your hand if this is you. How many do not like waiting? All right, all right, that's better, that's better. You know, in the first service, like three people raised their hands. And I said, let's not deal with the spirit of lying. And then like another 50 hands went up, you know? I mean, come on, I remember at Christmas time, I remember one year in particular when I was little and, and uh, m- m- uh, my parents had wrapped some presents in, in their bedroom, you know, you'd pass it in the hallway and, and thought it would be, you know, enough to just put a blanket over this pile of mystery boxes, you know. Uh, but I saw like a little corner, I saw wrapping paper. And, and this was a good ways before Christmas. They were on top of it, you know. And I went over and I, you know, peeked behind the blanket And I saw tags, dad, my brother, Joe. I was not interested in those tags, but then I saw Jim. And I thought, oh, there's some promises coming my way, December 25th. And from that moment on, minutes felt like hours, hours felt like days, days felt like weeks, counting down until that promise was in my hands. Now, I did have somebody in first service, they told me, you did it all wrong. They said, when I saw the wrapped presents, I opened them and then rewrapped them. (laughs) Part of me says, don't listen to that advice. Part of me says, that's something to keep in mind in the future, huh? No, No, just kidding, just kidding. Right, but don't we hate waiting and and hasn't everything in our modern culture basically told us, and there's no reason you should wait. But yet there is something very powerful, very necessary in our walk with the Lord in the waiting process. There's something that develops in our spiritual walk that doesn't come any other way than by waiting. We've got everything screaming at us. It's instantaneous. You, you know, God didn't turn around and say, hey, listen, I know, uh, you know, sit, now that you've invented microwaves, you know, we'll, we'll just make this go quicker. Listen, now I know that since, you know, on Thanksgiving, it used to be Black Friday, but now it's Thanksgiving afternoon. All the stores are open. You know, we've got, you know, Wawa open and ATMs and, you, you know, overnight packaging. God isn't moved by any of that stuff. You know, God, God is still going to work in our lives through a means that's best for us. And part of it is the work in our lives, and part of it is the perfect timing of God in the bigger picture. So when we look at God's promises, we're encouraged to be patient while we're waiting. And some of them, we're just going to have to wait for. 
Psalm 27, 14, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Psalm 37, verse 7, the first part says, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Romans 8, 25, but if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Notice all these words, confidence, courage, patience. Romans 4, 20 to 21, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that what God is able to do, or that God is able to do whatever he promises. So let me just make a balancing statement here. You're not waiting for God to answer yes or no. If he's given you a promise, it's yours. You're not waiting for whether or not it belongs to you. You're waiting for when it comes into your hands, right? You know, I, I, uh, I have a, a paper, uh, I still do old school for my planner. Uh, so I, I order it every year and I ordered myself up a binder and it came in the mail and the rings were all bent on that binder. You know, so I called them and I said, hey, the rings are all bent. They said, no problem, your new binder is on your way. It's, it's yours, no cost to you, you have it. The binder's mine, but it's not in my hands yet, right? I have to wait for it, but it's mine. I don't have to wonder whether it's coming. I don't have to wonder whether they're going to send me one. I know it's mine. They promised it to me. It's on its way. Do you understand what I'm talking about? It's on its way, but it is already yours, right? We don't say to God's promises, God promises peace. Well, I'm just waiting for him to answer and give me peace. No, the peace is mine now. Do you feel it yet? No, but it's mine now. I'm, I'm waiting for it to manifest. See the difference? Don't think I'm just using semantics and language. There's a difference. One, I'm hoping for it to come my way. The other one, it's already mine. I'm waiting for the delivery, right? The, the, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It says in scripture, the evidence of things not seen. I believe it's Moffat's translation says this. Faith is the warranty deed that the thing that you've most longed for, something to that effect, is now at last yours, when you have the deed to the property, it's yours. When you're holding the deed, it's yours. You might not be standing on the property. You might not be walking through the door, but you have the deed. That's the promises we grab a hold. But sometimes there's a waiting in time for that to actually be manifest to see it break out in your life. But the waiting, the enemy wants you to wonder whether it's yours. God wants us to be patient, courageous, and confident that he is at work in our lives. Amen? All right. Third thing we have to look at here, we need to keep listening for direction or correction. I gave you my favorite New Testament verse. I'm going to give you my favorite Old Testament verse, by the way, as it turns out. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. So, this idea of trusting him, seeking him, he will show us. You know, uh, the promises that are spelled out really clear, that's, that's something we grab a hold of and we just let God bring it to us as we believe him for it. But there's other promises that might involve direction. God is saying, you, you know, uh, I know for me, I remember at one spot I was serving an internship at my church in North Jersey. And the last thing in the world I ever thought or expected was that I would come on staff there. 
But as it turned out, and the last thing I expected was our youth pastor to go off to the mission field. But our youth pastor went off to the mission field, and I, uh, in the natural, I was not qualified by experience. I didn't have enough experience for that post. I didn't have, I wasn't, wasn't finished with my studies to be at that post, so I didn't qualify in the natural. I, I want you to understand that, that I understood that because this wasn't about um, ego or anything. This is the last thing in the world I, I thought I should do. But I felt like the Lord said to me, I'm moving you into this post. And then I began to, you know, you know, argue a little bit until I realized, okay, I think this is you, Lord. And then I took a step and I, I went to, to our pastor and I said, hey, I, th I think the Lord wants me to apply, you know, and he was gracious, but he, he kind of understood like, hey, it's a little, you know, you're, you're, you're green at this pastoring thing here. This is a little uh, above your, your, your experience so far. He said, but go ahead and apply. And then time went by and time went by and time went by. So I'm leaning back into patience, but also direction. I want you to understand while we're waiting, that doesn't mean it's a passive thing. You know, I had to apply, uh, I had to check in on it, you know, and then I had to trust that God was doing what he was going to do. And it was really cool. I began to really doubt whether I had ever heard God. As a matter of fact, I really was up against the ropes and I was at a point where I was thinking, I must have, I must have missed God. And then I had uh, a prayer meeting that I happened to go through that night. I cried real tears over that. How many know it's scary when you feel confused and, and, and scary if you feel like you're missing God? You know, so I went, and I was crying out to him the whole time, Lord, lead me, guide me. I went to a prayer meeting that night, and God, I got the first prophetic word that I had ever received. Uh, there was a visiting minister, little home meeting, and God was so cool how he did it. My pastor had given me some encouragement a, a few months back, and he, he used a term to describe me that nobody had used from that point before, and nobody had used since. And I went home, I told my wife, I'm like, guess what pastor called me today? I'm like, it's kind of cool. It was like a real encouragement, but man, I've never been, you know. So anyway, this, this for God to get my attention, this, this uh, man of God says, it's been, it was said of you, and he said that thing that my pastor said. You, you know, and then he went on to talk about, and now you've been uh, looking to walk God's path, and you thought you heard him for the direction you're supposed to step into, and now you've doubted that you've heard him, but he's telling you, it is me, and it was me, and this is yours, and the breakthrough has come. And the very next day, they said, hey, we, we, we want you to be youth pastor here. And, and, and that was the step to walk through. Direction along the way. Amen. Praise God. But direction, my, I was, Lord, I'm taking a step. Is, your, is this your step? Lord, do I need to be corrected here? Am I getting ahead of you? Am I, there's other times, I remember one ministry post that I wanted to step into, uh, I need to, needed to be corrected because I was stepping out in front of God. You know, so my point here is we need to listen to God. And that's what I really want to bring us down on here. There is a difference between hearing something and listening to it. And all husbands and wives, as they kind of look over to each other, said amen, didn't they, right? There's a difference between hearing and listening. Listening is active, and listening is something that we have to definitely discipline ourselves to do. Uh, so let me go to the fourth point here. So, so for correction and direction, let me just make sure that that point is really clear. We need to listen for God. You know, the world says we're, we're, uh, we're nuts for thinking we can hear from God. The world says that prayer is we talk to God, but that it, it's obnoxious for the world to think that you don't hear from God. I mean, God is speaking all the time. 
you know, and, and as a matter of fact, hey, we're going to be starting next week. We're going to kick off 40 days of hearing from God. We're going to talk all about how God hears so we can hear him so clearly in all of uh, life's, you know, seasons and, and days and weeks and months and years of, that we can walk with God and hear his voice. Prayer is not just talking to God. It's hearing and listening. And you want to know if we ignore God, we'll be like Pharaoh and we'll harden our heart. And then we won't be able to hear him more. So we, we need to make sure that we're hearing him. I want to wrap up with this fourth point now. And, and, and it has to do this. We need to always, everybody say always. We need to always worship him because he is the greatest promise. So if we're going to talk about access to the promises. He's the greatest promise. At the end of the day, you, you know, we say often, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. And I've heard some people say, hey, I don't like you calling it that for, for whatever reasons. I'm not really sure I figured out why people don't like that. But, you know, religion in and of itself, it's about rules and regulations and belief system and doctrine. That's religion. God says that comes second. First is our heart and his heart. It's God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave us his heart. In my own devotion time right now, I'm reading in Ezekiel. And, and the picture that God is trying to paint for his people as they have all these idols and as they're doing all of this stuff that he calls sinful, he, he's telling them, you're in adultery. He, God says, this is a heart thing. He says, you're cheating on me. You have another love. I'm supposed to be your love. And then your love for your spouse and your love for your family and everything else is supposed to go through that. It tells us in the word that God's heart is jealous for our heart, right? So that's why we go back to, man, I delight myself in him. And of course, he's going to give me the desires of my heart. But I'm delighting in him because I'm delighting in him because he is the object of my worship. Can you say amen? You know, the children of Israel leaving slavery to the promised land, promised land. They didn't go directly to the promised land. Where did they go first? They went to the mountain to encounter God. And you know, strange enough, as God came upon the mountain, read about it, it's, it's really an incredible picture. You know, the darkness descends on the mountain and the rumbling and the thunder and the lightning flashes. And God says to the people, tell the people, I'm going to meet with them. And they looked at this opportunity to know this awesome, awesome awesome, mind-blowing God that's starting to manifest, you know, this manifest tangible presence on the mountain and it's shaking. God's saying, prepare because I want the people to know me. They say, you know what, Moses? You know him. You go up there. That's terrifying. And you just tell us what to do and we'll just follow. And guess what happened through that time? They saw the promises. They saw the miracles. But a secondhand knowledge of God, they slipped into idolatry. They slipped into sinfulness. They wanted to go back to the world. Strange enough, Moses didn't. You know, Moses wasn't a perfect guy, right? But Moses, he, he, when, when he encountered knowing God, that was the way he lived for his whole life, right? It's, it's a relationship, not a religion. It starts with, God, you want my heart. And Lord, I want your heart. I give you my heart. And then from there, all the other stuff adds on to that and clicks into place. Can you say amen? amen. You, you know, uh, 
we're, we're starting to run out of time. Titus 1, 12, and 13 talks about the future hope that we have. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. Church, that's a promise. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And this world is not our home. We're passing through this world. Yeah. Till we see him face to face. I want to ask as we start to close here this morning, does he have your heart? As I was preparing this sermon, you know, the pastor always is the first to respond to his own altar call. I can tell you, and I pray this often, but I prayed it once again this morning. God, just a fresh and anew, I want you to know you have my heart. Lord, I want you to know afresh and anew, you're king over everything. Have your way in my life. And so that's where we want to wrap things up here today. Incredible promises that belong to us, but really making the centerpiece this point, but he is the greatest promise. He is the reward.